There's a running joke amongst my friends, family, co-workers that I can talk to anyone. And I have to admit, it's kind of true. I am a chameleon of sorts. I adapt to my surroundings, my situations, and the people in them. The most important part of being able to do that is to be able to listen. If you listen, you can hear the tone and the inflection of the person you're talking to. You can gauge their temperament, attitudes, opinions, and sometimes even their sense of humor. Consequently, when you listen, you then eliminate the possibility of talking above them or beneath them. The whole joke started on a public bus in Columbus, Ohio, like years ago. The seat I took was next to an elderly man who, how should I say this politely? Um, let's just say he had left some of his marbles in the dirt a while back. <laughs> but that did not prevent him from engaging me in conversation. I listened to him ramble on from one nonsensical topic to another. I laughed when he would laugh. And when he finally asked me a question, so when that bird's been circling, flies away, then what you gonna do? To which I replied, I don't know, but someone's gonna have to watch them eggs. <laughs> And he nodded in approval. I still can't tell you what the hell we were talking about, but we were communicating. And then I remember the last thing he said to me that did stick and did make some sense in a strange way, and to which I had no reply. He said to me, all the colors ain't always in the rainbow. Damn. I'm Dino Tripodis, and welcome to Whiskey Business. Yeah, you should know by now, if you're a longtime listener, a podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. And we want to thank our sponsor, the law firm of Saya and Pyatt. If you are in any kind of trouble, or you just need good, good consultation, Saya and Pyatt is the way to go. You can contact them at their website at splaws.com. Or if you are in a <clears throat> alcohol-related situation, <laughs> uh, you can contact them at 888-OVIOhio.com. Or their phone number is 614-444-3036 with locations in Columbus, Ohio, Delaware, Ohio, and Cleveland, Ohio. Say and Pyatt will do right by you every time. So thank you, gentlemen. And our guest bottle. This evening is um, McKenna 10-year single barrel Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. A nice 10-year-old whiskey from the Heaven Hill Distributors and Distillery. Um, they are also the people that they are also the people that make Evan Williams as well. It's uh, it's definitely in our ballpark of bourbons under 50 bucks, ranging between uh, 28 and 30 dollars a bottle. And there is all kind of good stuff going on in this one. Vanilla, cinnamon, butterscotch. Uh, when you taste it on the palate, it comes right at you. But it's got a nice, long, woody finish. And we'll uh, discuss the McKenna. One of the reasons I like it is because I just like the name. McKenna. I thought it was going to be an Irish. Whiskey. I like it because it sounds like a cop show. Tonight on McKenna. Yeah, so that's one of the reasons I like it, which is absolutely nothing to do with the whiskey. Our guest tonight is not here. He canceled on us. We were supposed to have Dave Powers, jazz musician and jazz pianist extraordinaire, and he will be on the program, but he had to go to Florida to tend to some property he had down there, and we wish him well, and everybody down in Florida who's still recovering from Hurricane Irma as we speak, and will be for quite some time. So I thought to myself, what do we do? What do we do? Do we skip a week? Do we repackage another podcast? And I said, no. I was talking earlier in my little uh, soliloquy there about communication, and I thought to myself, whiskey is a bridge. Whiskey is a bridge 
that can bring things together, people, opinions, and conversation. I sit here tonight, folks, at 58 years of age, technically a baby boomer. And across from me is the young gentleman who puts together this podcast week after week. If the podcast has any modicum of success in how it sounds and how it feels to you as you listen, it all uh, goes to Mr. Greg Hansberry, my producer. I tease him a lot. I make a lot of fun. But honest to God, he's an awesome producer. But he's also uh, a millennial. How old are you? I'm 33. Okay. Eight, born in 84, so I'm on that. You're on the cusp, on the cusp of what? Cusp. Of what? A millennial? And, and whatever was before a millennial. I don't know. Gen X or ish. See, you should know that. You're a millennial. But millennials don't care about any group give before a them no. or above them. So I just care about me, damn it. So the conversation tonight, folks, is <laughs> baby boomer versus millennial. Before we get too deep uh, into, and it's going to get deep. Oh, I'm gonna great. Tell you, I'm going to tell you that now. <clears throat> Later on, it's going to get deep. Good thing there's bourbon involved. Yeah. That's, see, this is why you don't want to be a guest, but tonight you are. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, by the way, what? thank you for A, uh, having me on as your fill-in. <laughs> <laughs> and B, the, I think maybe comparing me to a crazy drunk guy on the bus. <laughs> No. That wasn't... Okay. No, it was not right. comparing you. No, no. You're nowhere near as brilliant as that man. <laughs> okay, thanks. But I am curious because uh, over the course of these many podcasts, I've introduced you to a bunch of bourbons, but when when did you start, actually? When was your first taste of the good sure. whiskey? Two quick stories. My college... I was a Budweiser guy growing up. My college roommate... Okay, that's a beer. Well, I know. And by growing up, I mean like junior, senior year of high school when you start drinking, drinking. My college roommate's family was from Bardstown, Kentucky. Oh, okay. And then I got... You have my attention. I got a a, a lesson. That was probably the the, the most I learned uh, the entire freshman year of college was about about bourbon and whiskey. And he was a beam guy. He's a Jim Beam guy. So that was the first time that I appreciated whiskey and bourbon as uh, more than you know. It's it's down there. It's a life. It's part of your living. Part of the culture. And and uh, starting to appreciate growing up with wine. Exactly. Uh, So that's when I first realized how the importance of how a a liquor or beer or wine or alcohol could be cultural as opposed to just let's get fucked up and, and and you know look at the cheerleaders. So that was the kind of my first thing. And then um, my uh, sister lived in Dublin, Ireland. And when I was a uh, sophomore in college, uh, we went to visit her. And I'm like 19 and still kind of learning the ropes. We go to the Jameson Distillery. So the only thing that my brother-in-law told me was when you go there, and this is advice I, th- I think for everybody still, if anybody goes to visit the Jameson Distillery tour, you, when they first bring you in, they, they, they bring in this amphitheater and they show you this film, whatever, and then they ask for volunteers. And he said, the most important thing for you to do is make sure that you are one of those volunteers. No matter what it takes, be one of those volunteers. So I'm like, me, me, you know, right in the front, wave my hand, doing my thing. is all right, you, you know, this you know, Irish cat picks five of us, six of us or whatever. So we go do the tour, then after the words... We uh, go into this tasting room. Well, those volunteers that he picked at the beginning are the tasters of nice. of the Jameson uh, uh, whiskeys. So they put this placemat in front of you, and uh, there's a little spot for a, uh, a, a Kentucky bourbon, and there's a little spot for uh, a scotch, and then there's four little spots for um, the four different Jamesons that they have that they're okay. pushing out, whatever. Like, Why were they putting a scotch and a, well, a, a bourbon whiskey Well, no, no offense to whiskey business or the Kentucky bourbons, but what they were trying to prove, they had you taste the bourbon and the scotch first to taste how harsh it is. It tastes like you're sucking on a piece of wood or whatever it is, right? Like, they were trying to contrast how smooth their oh, Jameson brand is. So they were doing a comparison contrast Exactly. Thing. They probably picked the crappiest well shit that they could they find. They didn't tell you what the scotch I, and the whiskey if was? If they did, I, I don't remember. So you kind of, they go, taste this, taste this, and you go, oh, okay, great. It's a scotch. It's a bourbon. Great. And then they go, oh, no, this is our low-end Jameson. Taste this. And they walk you through it. And these are like full 
four shots that they have in front of me as this you know 19 year old kid who who's still drinking you know milwaukee's best and jim beam <laughs> so by the time i'm done with this probably 12 minute deal i've had six shots of bourbon or six, or, six or, shots or whiskey, of whiskey yeah. of whiskey and bourbon and then the, and then after the fact they go now which one was your favorite and i go well this one and it was like the Jameson 12 year or whatever it was. And then they give you a whole like rocks glass of it. That's why you mm-hmm. like Jameson's because that was it. The Jameson. You were, you were weaned on it mm-hmm. at a young age. That's it. If, wow, if that were true, then <laughs> if that was little true, Kings, if I, if I was what I was weaned on, if I was what I was weaned on, it would be, I, I should still be a scotch drinker because scotch was the first, First thing, scotch and and, uh, and hash. <laughs> <laughs> I found something very interesting. Um, according to a new survey, a third of millennials say they wish they'd grown up in their parents' generation because life was so much simpler. You're how old again? 33. 33. Yeah. I have a daughter who's 35. So, okay. in theory, right? in theory theory you could <laughs> in theory in theory you could be my son all right all right which I, yes. if you were my son i would tell you this the vocation you chose i would say you chose poorly very poorly and i'd be very very disappointed in you, you if you that, were my dad if you were my son <laughs> but you're not you're my producer so i say you've chosen wisely <laughs> that's funny see i think my dad probably uh he he's he's a uh, has been a lifelong accountant, you know, shirt and tie, cubicle guy. Dad? He's sixty four or five, something like that. Oh, so he's a little, he's a little, yeah, older a little than bit me. older. I, so, I'm the youngest of three. Okay. So, but he, I think, likes this because he's done the grind. You know, he got a, a job doing taxes and shit. So I think he sees the freedom that I've, I have, even though I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with my life. <laughs> do you really not know what you're going to do I, I with your life? Let me. All right, let me ask you yeah, this. All right, right, right. Based on yeah, this yeah. survey, a third of millennials wish they'd grown up in their parents' generation because they life was so much simpler. Do you think, as you look at me, do you think that I had life simpler <laughs> when I was in your your age in your thirties? Do you think life was simpler for me? I mean, there's degrees of everything, but yes, to some degree. Uh, you know, there's a lot. Because uh, I'm a lot sh- more eyes focused on every single thing you do these days, right? With with m- the media and whatever. I was gonna say I'll agree with you. I'll say that well, life on some level was simpler. Sure. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, the, uh, talking on both sides of my mouth, like I don't know how to read a fucking atlas. <laughs> you know, like that's the kind of stuff you guys did. We also called them maps. <laughs> we, we didn't always carry an entire freaking if, atlas. If I got lost, if I got uh, you know a flat tire, <laughs> I could call up pops and say, "Hey, hey, dad, bail me out here." I mean, there's a lot because life there's, was simpler. Simpler, but you know what? Here's the deal. You know, and me as a baby boomer, I can look back on my parents' generation and go, "Wow, I sometimes pine for their years because I think life was even simpler." back then but i will agree with you life probably was a little simpler for us there wasn't uh the 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 internet didn't explode until you know my generation Mm -hmm. you know you've you've never not known the internet for the Uh, most part yeah yeah you're right it was probably like third and fourth grade for me when it started to become a thing when you had the dial-up internet and Mm -hmm. aol so but to your point, absolutely. Social yeah. media, yep. Yep. we didn't need, we didn't have to deal with any of those. Yep. All those things that that, that that are so important right now, we didn't have to deal with. But by the same token, this program, you know what, would not have existed back when I was your age at 33 sure. because there was no podcast. If we wanted to do this show, we would have to do it literally on the radio. And we would have to have a time slot. And maybe we could record it for airing later, but they would not be able to go out and people would not be able to listen to it whenever they felt like it. And also, because it was on terrestrial radio, we wouldn't be able to say, wouldn't be able to say shit, mm-hmm. you know, whenever we wanted to. Or, you know, as you said, fucking Atlas, you know, so proud. <laughs> you know, we couldn't be able to do that. So, simpler, but... I do appreciate some of the things that are available to me now. I see. I agree with the stat, but not because of the simpler things. Like, even though I'm I'm a millennial, thirty three year old millennial, I look back and see some of the things that was going on in 
the, the late 60s. When, when, when my dad was born in 52, so kind of that late 60s, 70s, the Beatles. I'm a, you know, I love vinyl records, some of that stuff. Woodstock, right? Like, right. But that's the stuff that I kind of pine for. You can't have that these days, I don't think. I don't, you can't have a Beatles right now. Why not? Because there's just too much shit going on. It, I mean, our Beatles is, is one direction. T- today's day and age. How dare you? I know. I exactly. How dare it's blasphemous, not, but that's the not, truth. Not taking anything from One Direction and their popularity, but right. there, there's been so many bands since the Beatles who were hoping to be the new Beatles. I mean, I, I would say that the Beatles is definitely probably um, a once in a lifetime thing as far as as groups like that go. But there are other groups that can hold the same distinction. Like, you know, will there ever be another Rolling Stones? Well, but it, it's the same time period, though, is what I'm saying. Like, to, you know, in the past 20 years, it's been pop bands. It's been pop bands and, and pop icons. Michael yeah. Jackson was... Michael Jackson, I guess, was but... Was a phenomenon all of his own. Elvis. Elvis was even before the Beatles. He was before the Beatles. His first records were, like, in the 50s. Yeah. okay. But he was—he was his popularity was still peaking. Oh, absolutely, when the yes. Were peaking. Yes. yes. He was just—he had just had to make room. For I'm, the I'm saying from like 1984, Sinatra? from 84 to Sinatra? 2000. Dean Martin, the Rat Pack. I mean, what do you want to say? <laughs> every decade, every time period has their heroes, their pop icons. And to me, all of the people that you're rattling off are way bigger, more influential than the One Directions and the Insane. So you're saying like. 30 years from now, we'll still remember Sinatra, Elvis, and the, the Beatles, Beatles, and we'll be we're like, not gonna remember oh, One yeah. Direction. Yeah, I mean, Maroon you'll still five. you'll still have the the Justin Timberlakes or the the, the Michael Jacksons so that'll still linger like around. Won't, she'll won't, be like Madonna. Yeah, she, she'll hang on, but Katy Perry. Part be. of this reason of their success is because of the time we're in of, of just the teeny boppers. Just leeching onto them and and being uh, social media let me ask addicted. You, let me ask you this: Do you blame yourselves? Do you, do you, no, seriously, <laughs> do you blame yourselves? Let me ask: Do you blame yourself? Yeah, because, I, yeah. because you're you're also given a grief, uh, for lack of a better word, for being a little fickle and noncommittal. Sure. You don't hold on to anything very long. You move on to the next best thing, the next greatest thing, the yeah. next best app, the next best phone, the next best this, yep. the next best that. And we buy it. And yeah. you buy it, and you leave whatever else that you found near and dear to you at the time in the dust yep. and behind. Yeah, we're a product of our own destiny. And I'm using the Beatles as a, you know, as the overall pop culture example. I mean, everything that goes under that umbrella. Your dad's an accountant? Yep. Is, is, yep. is he retired now? Not yet. He's Not about yet. about a year away or so. About a year yeah. so away mm-hmm. from, uh, and he works for a firm. Or does he work for himself? No, he works uh, at a a big uh, health insurance company. Okay, so he's he, yeah. he works for a corporation, yeah. a company, yeah. and so yeah. forth. Yeah. Is that what he wanted to be, or is that just what hap- What just how he, it worked for, out? Well, the way he tells me is his he was raised by his mom for the most part, and she said this is what you're going to go to school to be because you're going to need to have a job. You know, they bounced around. They were a military family. She said, do this. <laughs> you know, you're going to have a job. You're going to make money for your family. And uh, you're going to put food on the table for your family and and, and be be a reliable father. How close husband. are you to your dad? Pretty close? Yeah, pretty close. So do you know what your dad really wanted to do? Did he ever tell you? Did he ever express uh, uh, a regret? Mm, you know, like, I, Greg, I if I could have, I would have been a... No, not not specifically, but I think again that's why he kind of gets gets a kick out of what I do. You always want your children. You have two children. You yeah. have a, you have a yeah. four year old and a two year old. Any decent parent worth their salt always wants better for their kids than right. what they have for themselves. I'm that way. I have a daughter who's 35 and is fighting the good fight in New York City. She's a very talented young lady. She's she's a singer. She's an actress. If she puts pen to paper, she can write her ass off when she chooses to do that. But she also slings drinks in a bar and runs a bar and works, you know, 12, 14 hours a day, sometimes six, sometimes seven days a week in order to pay the rent, sure. pay the bills, and sometimes her art 
I don't, I don't say that, you know, jokingly. Her, her art, her craft suffers because she has to do the right things and not always the things that they want to do. Welcome to life, though, too, you know? Yeah. You know, I'd love to. What would you love to do? Off. What, what would you love to do? Well, if you could do anything right, because right now you are, you're the morning show producer of a successful morning show in Columbus, Ohio. You're the producer of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that, I said. But, um, uh, and I say that sincerely, but if you could do, if you could have it your way, selfish, be, so, so, yeah, no, I got you. You're already selfish. Well, selfish, <laughs> I'm it. selfishly, I'd marry a, a rich woman and I could just be. What is that? What is that? <laughs> Why does everybody always say that? I'd well, marry a rich guy. Well, because I don't want to be doing it. I'd marry a rich Selfishly, woman. Selfishly, you can do whatever you want. That is not the secret to a happy, a happy, happy life. You would not be doing what you wanted to <laughs> I'd do. I'd do whatever because she wants me to do. Because if you married a rich woman, that means you caved. That means you surrendered, my friend. And when you surrender <laughs> to that side of it because of the money, you're not doing what you want to do. You're doing what she wants to do if you want to stay in that environment. Please. <laughs> in theory, it wouldn't really work. Okay. I got into radio because I went to college at University of Dayton. I walked in uh, to the department head or whatever. My little counselor goes, I want to make records. I like to play music. I like recording and making sounds. I go, well, shit, Greg, you're out of luck. We don't have a recording studio degree. But why don't you join? Why don't you work at the radio station? Because that's a, a career path. And I go, great. And that was it. And here I am. So, I mean, in a, in a way, I am doing what I like to do, making sounds with microphones and editing audio and stuff. But um, it'd be in a perfect world, I would be doing this with bands and artists and making my own music and, and, maybe, and playing. Maybe, and, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe and, because you... You know, you're you're in something. Uh, we always use the word adjacent. Adjacent. <laughs> and I yeah, and I still keep that fostering a little bit to some degree. But I I started a lot of people, and I've seen it. Even though, you know, like I said, I I watch people, I observe people. There's a lot of people that are that that hates a strong word, but look at me and my job in radio and go, that's bullshit. Because they wanted to be in radio, and they worked the midnight yeah. to 5 a.m. shift, and they uh, toiled and struggled to get wherever they are in radio. I lucked into it. I, I <laughs> yeah. did. I, it was a happy accident. You know, If you don't know that story, I was a stand-up comedian, and I was a guest on the show, and you know, fate opened up its doors, and I took the gig. And yet... Despite the success, I'm starting my 25th year. In fact, I very quietly marked the calendar. I've started year 25. When was that? September 9th. All right. Yeah, September 9th. Congrats, Congrats Thank you very yeah. much. Starting my 25th year. And I consider each year that I'm still there a blessing because radio and the media is a very fickle, fickle business. You could be on your ass. You know, you'd be sitting on top of the world one day, on your ass, and out the door the next. Yep. I've been very, very fortunate. But it's not the profession that I thought I'd do. It's turned out very well. I thought, I thought I was going to stay in stand-up. I thought that when life had opened up its doors and was guiding me, it it took me down that road to stand-up, and I thought that's how I was going to make my living, being a stand-up comedian, and then everything adjacent to that, acting, mm-hmm. maybe a TV show, movies, et cetera, et cetera. And there are times. Despite the success of, of, of radio and everything, there are times where I pine and I wonder and I think, well, man, if I would have if I would have stuck with it, where would I have wound up? Sure. Maybe nowhere. Maybe nowhere. Maybe far worse than where I am now. Maybe I'd still be, you know, fifty eight years old and on the road forty five <laughs> weeks a year, you know, just trying to make the ends meet and pay the rent. I don't know. I don't know. But you still dabble. I and dabble. that's I and keep that's my foot in it. And that's one thing that I've admired of, of you in working with you is that there are people that we work with who have given all that shit up and are just all in on radio. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're giving up this passion that you have then I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying you're a sellout or whatever, but I've, I guess my point is that I've always admired the fact that you, you're you like this actor-comedian guy who 
pays his bills by 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 working <laughs> in radio, radio. you I, know and you still try to do that I let, the, I let the radio fund all the yeah other and um and that's awesome because i feel the same way to some degree like i just kind of fell into this and i like it and i hope i'm good at it and and things but uh in the back of my mind, I'm like, God, oh, there's maybe that one day that I'm gonna have the big break, and then, you know, and and I'm out of here. Well, what you know, what's the and what's the big break? I mean, I took this job in radio when I was a year older than you, 34. Right. I started when I was 34, and I honestly thought it would last a year that they would realize they made a horrible mistake and I'd be back. It only I'd, took them 25 years. And, and I went, and yeah, <laughs> eventually they're going to catch on. And, and I would go back to Los Angeles. Well, I was, in fact, I kept my, my, my room and the house I was sharing in LA. I kept my phone. I kept every, the first year I would go out uh, once a month to LA and still do sets at the comedy store. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, 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 cause this is not going right. to work out. I'm going to put this on my on my resume, which I've never had, uh, and, and, and have and get the experience, and maybe pay some bills, yep. you know, make a little bit more steady mm-hmm. money, you know, week after week, instead of just hoping for this gig or that gig. But then it 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 turned into this. Well, and I tell you, the other part of your story, which you've you've documented on on the on the show, is your daughter. Uh-huh. And you know, and your daughter was in Columbus. You wanted to be here, right? And, and take she a was job. Thirteen years old at the time. I thought that and, was an important. And that's where, that's kind of where I landed. You know, I fell in love with with my wife and chased her around. Then we pooped out some kids. So now, I, and, and they're the kids. best thing that's ever happened to me. But now, all that flying to New York or L.A. Yeah. once a month is out the window. Did you chased her around for a while. I left yeah. a job I had in Indianapolis, uh-huh. and and she was up in Chicago, and I just quit my job and. And and took this like job where the guy was like, I can give you like eight hours a month. I go, great, I'll take it. And I lived with her in a in a one uh, room studio apartment for like a year. I, I've always wondered why you didn't go into sales. To be perfectly honest with you, because you know your wife is beautiful, and and I, I don't know what kind of sales sales pitch you made in order to get her. And, and to be able to actually, you know, consummate a marriage and have two beautiful yeah. children, but that, my friend, it was a good those are the pitch. earmarks yeah. of, a, of, a, of a really strong salesman. Just... College whiskeys, Jim Beam, obviously. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Any other ones? Like Old Crow. I mean, it just Old Crow. Yeah, just whatever was cheap, man. Yeah. For us, it was Black Velvet. Oh uh, yeah, Ugh. yeah, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Black Velvet and uh, uh, Schnapps. Ugh. Ugh. I know. God. What did you study again in college? What was your degree? Communications. Yeah. It was, it was the lowest hanging fruit. That's, that's pretty broad. <laughs> Communications. Were you a good student? In the subjects that I liked. Oh, that's like me. Yeah. 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 When I showed this, up. I was uh, criminology and English literature. Did great in those, everything else. Math, yeah. sciences, forget about it. Maybe one of us should have gone into law. <laughs> we'd be a lot better off right I, now. I think we would have been awesome lawyers. I think about my mother was disappointed I didn't become a lawyer. Actually, we yeah. could debate yeah. some real yeah. tough stuff. I mean, that's part of it, right? I always tell my, I always tell my. In fact, uh, my friends that say in Piat, I tell them all the time: if you ever need somebody to close, to do <laughs> closing, right? Their what, what the closing arguments. Yeah. Can you can you do that? Can you just can you just bring somebody in to do the closing arguments? I would love to do the closing argument. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to bring our professional closer. Yeah. Ladies Dino and gentlemen, the jury. I don't know much about law, but I do know this. And then the rest, I just go. And then the jurors stand up and give you a, a rousing yes, round of applause. Yes, it's, a, you yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, I do the equivalent of dropping the mic, yeah. whatever, you know, uh, in the courtroom. Dropping the uh, gavel. Uh, dropping yeah. the gavel, dropping the, <laughs> dropping the law book and walk out. Uh, I'm not a lawyer, but my friends that say it in Piatt are... By the way, and they're also uh, thankfully <laughs> our sponsors for this podcast. If you want to contact Say and Pyatt, SPLaws.com or 888OVIOhio.com or 614-444-3036. I doubt very much that they'll ever let me close. <laughs> no, not court, after this. In court. But uh, they they will do a far better job for you than I ever could. You know, I'm 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 pretty sure I can say that with confidence.
All right, you're pouring a little bit more of the uh, McKenna. What's more? Yeah, of course I want some more. Look at you. You're a guest. You're a guest on this podcast. You're pouring the whiskey. And uh, what do you think of the uh, McKenna single barrel? In your opinion, because that's another thing, my right. friend, my young friend, my millennial <clears throat> friend. If I've done anything for you, and I haven't done a lot, <laughs> but if I've done anything for you in the last months since we started this podcast, I have introduced you to a slew of whiskeys. I believe this is our 34th whiskey, mm-hmm. our 34th podcast. Yeah. So, ha, I've given you that much. Thank At least you. I've given you that. And if I've given you thanks. anything else along the way, that was just a happy accident. Yeah, that, yeah, it was the just the liquor, yeah. So what do you yeah, think of thanks. this one? It's good. It's uh, I, When I first saw it, it's a green bottle and the McKenna. I thought, it, like I said, it was going to be an Irish whiskey. Oh, because of the name? It, yeah. And then I, the first sip, I was like, this is stiff. Yeah, because I was I expecting I a smooth. Palette-wise, it comes right at you. Uh, a, a, a whiskey, but it's after that kick, it's good. It it's goes a nice down quick. Long woody finish, but it does. It, it comes. It attacks. Yeah, the when, woody finish is always good when it comes at you like that, and uh, and with the with the water in it a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. Brings out some of the other flavors more. The butterscotch. It's in there. It's it's um, it's good stuff. And like mm. I said, in that uh, under fifty bucks a bottle, ranging between twenty eight and thirty bucks a bottle, depending on where you buy it. It's. Uh, it's good stuff. So you have I, I haven't realized what kind of a snob I've become. Um, it's easy to become a whiskey snob. Bullet's not a sponsor, so we can go ahead and talk shit about him. <laughs> you, Bullet, <laughs> one one of your things against millennials, and you've said before, is that they're the reason why some good bourbons are hard to find or more expensive they, because it's become cool. They, they be, it's it become trendy. A cool thing. They were part of this bourbon. They 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 latched onto the bourbon. They, they got on the bourbon, the bourbon trail, train. and they haven't gotten off. And one of those bourbons has been Bullet that has benefited from the success of the young millennial hipster bourbon, right. craft bourbon success. Uh, well, uh, I was at just some little dive bar, and they had whatever, 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 and Bullet. And I said, all right, I'll give me Bullet. And it tasted like shit. It tasted worse than like a Jack or a Jim. You know, I'd rather just a well, wild, wild turkey or something. There's some... Exceptional whiskeys out there, though, that you know are the creme de la creme, and I've seen people wince and go, "This is awful." Sure, I've seen that with Scotch whiskey, especially. Oh, this Scotch has been this guy's is a twenty-five-year-old Scotch, and it's blah blah <laughs> this and blah blah that, and you're gonna love every sip of it. And I've taken a sip and going, "It tastes like a shoe." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, so it depends. It's it's your palate too. I mean, you have to yeah. be able to identify, but. And, and and learn how to appreciate what you like and but i guess i've i've learned what i've liked that's I, important you know and i th- it, not to get too philosophical about the whiskey but no, that means get philosophical there's, about the there's there's a lot of there, i've been doing a lot of soul searching do you know uh there's a lot of that shit that over the past years that i've had to learn like just because everybody loves the the bullet and you're at the at this douchey bar where everybody's drinking bullet. Bullet man. Bring the bullet. Don't you know, the appreciation of a bourbon or the appreciation of an art or music or whatever it is, it it's learned. It, you don't have to just go ahead and do what everybody else is doing because that's what that's what they they say. Like That's very wise of you. And, and uh That's a valuable lesson. <laughs> yeah, about that. A valuable you know, lesson to learn at this point in your life. Enjoy the moments at life. Don't just fucking drink bullet because everybody's doing it. I saw a list here: the ten most serious problems facing the world according to millennials. Okay. The top three, and I'm gonna see just how much of a millennial you are. <clears throat> the top three that we, that you millennials, think okay. we're yeah. facing as problems. Well, number one is climate change. Come on. Hurricane Irma, Hurricane uh, Harvey, Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. I'm not a scientist, and maybe I'm brainwashed by uh, Al Gore or whatever, but there's got to be some shit going on. I agree. I it's not top of my list as far as uh, it's because I've got, but it's it's up there. And I tell you why, because the millennials now. I'm at the age I got kids. I'm I might be dead. You're gonna be dead. Hey, but. In 30 years, my kids are going to be around and starting popping up babies. So, you know, 
the children are a future. So what are you saying? You're saying you want to make sure that that you know that if they continue to live in Ohio, that it's that it's not you know. <laughs> either freezing cold nine months yeah. out of the year or burning hot yeah that there's yeah we're either not covered in water or there's yeah. there's a glacier over no, us I, I do not disagree I think climate change is definitely a serious problem and I believe that there, there needs to be work as long as you've been alive I think there's been some sort of war going on war was number two on the list so much so that it just almost passe which is sad to me you know, it's like I remember walk. I remember watching the news with my dad and with George Bush, one W. You know, when all that stuff was going on mm-hmm. when I was a kid, and it's I don't I feel like it hasn't stopped since then, and, it's, and it was probably going on well before that. I mean, I know it was, but yeah, it's so, so as, as long as you've been aware and conscious, there's been some sort of war. Going so on. it's almost it's almost so like when, when, status when, when quo. A situation like North Korea here is a late. Do you do you do you dwell on that? Does it worry? You can't. But it's just it's good. It's, it's gonna happen, or it's not. I'll, I'll give you a more. I'll give you a more polite out. You're ambivalent. <laughs> ambivalent about war. It is more. Yeah, that's yes. All right. Let me go. I'll, I'll give you like the that. out. It frightens me so much, but at the same time, it's been so prolific that you just you would be. I would be consumed by it if I dwelled on it. <laughs> and rounding out the top three was inequality when it comes to income. Or discrimination. Um, can't we just all look out for each other? Can't we just have each other's backs and sure, stop? That's stop. a lovely thought, and that's a lovely you sentiment. Know? But uh, you know, I know it's not the that. case. Yeah. Do you feel that you, because you're millennial, do you feel discriminated against? Kind of, only because I'm on really? that cusp. Only because I'm on that cusp of like not really being a millennial. Okay. And there's a difference between like the 12 year old millennials and and me, who's a 33 millennial. millennial. There's a, there's a lot. There's a huge attitude adjustment between between the the, the spectrum. I mean, that's the discrimination thing. It's just why, I, swiping everybody with the same I brush. Don't know, dude. I've always believed that you live and die by your own sword. Seriously. <laughs> so what does that mean? I'm going to die by the millennial sword? <laughs> no, you live and die by your own sword. You know, you choose to fight. You choose and pick the battles you want to fight. Yeah. People ask me all the time, like, oh, you know, I say, you know, every year a blessing in radio. And I said, but if it were all go away tomorrow, I'd say good run. And they always look at me. So if you, you know, if radio left tomorrow, man, what would you do? And they're always they expect me to have like an answer. And my my first answer is I don't know. And they go, what do you mean you don't know? I go, I don't know, because here's how this works. In my opinion, when you're in a job like you're in a job right now, and like I'm in right now, you're in that job, and you try to do to the best. You try to do it to the best of your abilities. And while you're in that job, you unconsciously have blinders on. Yep. Those blinders are up, and you're focused on doing your job. Okay. There may be other things outside of the blinders, but you're not paying attention to them because you're not aware of them. Why? Because you have you're focused. You focus. You focused, and you have made some sort of commitment to what you're doing. All of a sudden, that doesn't exist anymore. That job goes away. Blinders go down. And when the blinders go down, if you are aware enough, once you get done with the pity party, oh, I lost my job, once you get done with that and look up and see, oh, you know what? Look over there, over to the left, look over there, to the right, here's an opportunity, there's an opportunity that I wasn't even aware of because I wasn't looking. But when those blinders come down, all of a sudden you have to become aware of the situations around you and maybe that will lead you to the next thing. I've always said, I've never... I've never chosen my job so much as my jobs have chosen me. But because of all the nonsense and, and, and I just feel, and again, maybe it's, it's us millennials being exposed to more. I feel like we pine for more, you know, are we never satisfied? And it, maybe it's more of a millennial thing of never being able to, never being satiated with the status quo because. I don't think millennials can hog all that up on their own. Yeah. I mean, I'm the baby boomer. And on some level, I can say that I'm mm-hmm. never satisfied, but I think it comes from a different perspective. And when I say I'm never satisfied, I think it's more of a case that I'm, I'm glad that I'm always a little hungry. I'm always a little hungry. I always have an appetite. To, to to try and tackle something new and exciting, you know, let's let's uh, you know let's let's make a movie. I mm-hmm. never made a movie before. All right, how do you do that? And I learned the hard way, you know, <laughs> how to do it. But I've done it. You know, I want to write a book. 
Okay, how do you write a book? Well, you sit your ass down in a chair and you start writing. Harder than it sounds. But eventually, you know, you get it done. So, yeah, I don't think dissatisfaction, maybe hunger is a better way to approach it. Mm -hmm. Stay hungry, I think, is a, is a good thing. Um, yeah, I think, I think complacency is, is, a, is a killer in, in, the, in the long run. Contentment and complacency are entirely two mm -hmm. different things. Okay, so I've been coming at you pretty hard. I, I wasn't prepared for a, a deep psychological... Uh, I didn't know it was going to be that. I really did not know what it was going to be. So I'm going to turn the tables. What do you want to ask me? Oh, you want to come man. after me? No. You want a piece no. of me? Come on. No, seriously. What, what do you want to know about... As long as you've known me, which has been off and on now for what? Mm, six years -ish. Six years. You knew me when you first worked with us, and then you went away for a little bit, and then you came back. What do you I, want to know? I've been thinking a lot. You have a really interesting part of your history of your life that you don't really talk a lot about. You were a private eye. I was an investigator. In, in, uh, in just, Chicago. Just, let's just generically call it investigator. An investigator in Chicago for three, uh -huh. three, four, five years. I don't even know uh -huh. how long. Couple years, yeah, back and forth, Chicago and Columbus, and uh, you know, you tell me these stories of you know, you you sleep at a, a fucking bar stool and you wake up and you walk to the next bar because you knew it opened it. It was the earliest one that opened, yeah. and you go there and you, you get so order you want bourbon. The, yeah, I mean, what? There's got to be some some good stories and some life lessons, and some tales with that. There are some great stories there that maybe should be a podcast all of their own. <laughs> no, seriously. I know. I told you, I said, I, I told you that we would do a podcast and I would actually bring in somebody who can validate some of that. Well, stuff. Let's get that on the books as your producer. Yeah. Let's do that. Can bring somebody in who actually, uh, uh, put me on that path, so to speak, of of that type of work, and we're still friends today. Yes, the investigative work took me to Chicago. That was intellectual property work that turned into some other stuff because it was uh, uh, it started to bleed over into customs and Pakistanis and counterfeit That's watches, the fucking Pakistanis, and and, and, and other stuff. Uh, there was insurance fraud for murder, one of the biggest cases here in Columbus, Ohio, the Just Sweats case. That was a huge part of. Um, in that, there were other smaller cases that involved, um, you know, satanic cults and. All right, so we need we need another show. As your producer, let's we'll tease this. <clears throat> we'll get we'll get your guy on in the next month or so. I'll get a hold of Vince, and we'll uh, we'll delve into that a, li a little bit. <laughs> what you're legally allowed to talk about? But, uh, a little bit, or or what I can talk about. I mean, those were some those were some tough years as well. I sure. mean, there's some psychological things that that come into play with that one that kind of fucked with me a little bit for a while. Sure. Yeah. Seeing some of that stuff. That's, a, that's what they say about like detectives walking into murder scenes every night. There was some whatever. there was some duality that that started to to bleed over, you know, the the person who I had to be in Chicago at certain times would not leave me when I came mm -hmm. back to Columbus, you know, so the uh, the two different people that I was trying to be and needed to be started to become, you know, a third person. Uh, I, I smell your next movie, uh, your next script right there. Do you? Because I don't. <laughs> you don't want to revisit any of that shit. Wanna, I don't want to do that at all. <laughs> but I, I, I guess I wasn't talking so much about professions because you know what I've done and we've touched upon them. But I wonder if you had any other questions, you know, <clears throat> What about you? Do you think in some ways it's easier now? Would you want to be a, a millennial? We think it's easier back in your day, but there's probably things you you watch us millennials go through and just say, man, they're just walking, cakewalking through life. Do I think it's easier now for you guys than yeah. it was for us? Yeah. 
on some level, yeah, um, because you don't seem to care as much on the surface, and I think that gives you the freedom to to skirt on to the next thing. But but then I come back to what's the next thing? I mean, are you constantly skirting from one thing to another? I think the bigger question. <laughs> not to change your question for me. <laughs> is, is it is it easier for me now? Why don't you just go ahead and interview yourself? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I, I'll just. I do that's that. what we should have done. This whole damn thing. <laughs> is it is it is life easier for me now, at this point in this age and time? And is it? No, I think it's harder now for this simple fact. I'm afraid, and afraid is the right word. I'm afraid of running out of time. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I had that same fear when I was your age. I'm going to run out of time. But I did, you know, when I was 33 <laughs> and 34, given the way that I conducted myself and ran my life, I didn't really think I'd be 58. <laughs> <laughs> so we're on borrowed time yeah, already? Uh, yeah, I, I actually thought so. So now at 58, and I think about, wow, in 20 years, I'll be 78. What? Or 68. Yeah, my biggest fear, it's not easier now because I do feel that the clock is ticking. And I don't even know what it's ticking for sometimes. Because all I know is that um, I still got something left to do. Something left to say, something left to develop, create, and leave behind, and I fear that I won't get to it. Mm-hmm. You've said that before, like you have just rooms full of material that aren't, aren't going to be discovered until... 30 years after you're dead mm-hmm. <laughs> you know somebody's just gonna find a the treasure trove of of which of they might material. consider to be the treasure trove and which and i consider to be piles garbage. of shit yeah well and then isn't that the the internal struggle of the artist I don't know. you know yes maybe. you always hear that maybe the bob dylan poems and, and song lyrics he threw away that now are are, are being resurfaced yeah, you maybe. know that's the thing i've always been my harshest critic you know, I listen back to some of these podcasts, and, I go, and sometimes I wince. Mm, and yeah. sometimes I think they're pretty good. When I think they're pretty good, they must be really good, because I, I probably hate seventy-five percent of the stuff that I do, or critique it. And yes, I am my own worst critic. And I don't know. That's a whole other topic. Maybe that's psychological. Maybe that goes back to childhood. Maybe that goes back to inferiority complexes as a kid, whatever. I don't know. But yeah, my biggest fear is that I'm going to run out of time and not get enough shit done. So, does that make you feel any better at 33? Yeah, I better get on it. (laughs) (laughs) But kidding, but kidding aside, like in my mentality, I think... You know, I'm just scrambling around, two kids, new house, the job, you know, doing freelance work, doing this stuff. It's like, I'm always like, well, well, in time, in time, in time, whatever it is, that thing that I need, that punctuation mark that, that I need, it'll come. It'll come, but then life happens, you know, and then you're, you're and then you're 58. <laughs> Hey, and then you're 58. No, you got, statistically, you got another 40 years. I do? Yeah, well, you're a smoker, so maybe another 35 years. I do? Yeah, they're saying like 90 plus is, is the average age for for American men these days. Okay. I know you're not the average American the man. Average. Yes, we all know that. <laughs> All right, maybe, maybe. I don't know, I'm just man. trying to that, make you feel you better. Go. I mean, you've got your fears and insecurities, and I have them at 58. I mean, I think everybody has fears. It's the it's, it's the common denominator. We're all going to have that shit that we that fear, whether it's clowns or death. 
And if I if I do, when the time comes that I do pass on, if that pile of shit upstairs yeah. turns out to be something that other people think is amazing, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Your estate won't. <laughs> I'm gonna be really I'm gonna be really pissed. I'm going like I'm gonna be up in heaven going or looking up from hell. I'm going like <laughs> yeah, right. one or the other. It's presumptuous way, of you. <laughs> I'm gonna be going like they like that? Oh I remember when uh. I wrote that. That was that was horrible. So, my millennial friend, have we accomplished anything here tonight? No, nothing. Come on. No. Yes. That we're different and the same at the exact same time. We all we we all worry about the same stuff, but uh, it comes from different points of view. Can I quote somebody? Don't even know the man's name. He was sitting on a Coda bus in Columbus <laughs> some twenty-five years ago, and I think he said it best. And I think it sums up everything we've discussed tonight. All the colors. Ain't always in the rainbow. <laughs> yeah? I'm going to get that tattooed mm-hmm. on, my, on my back. Yeah. 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 All right. We're going to wrap it up for this edition of Whiskey Business. We want to thank our sponsors, Saya and Pyatt, uh, attorneys at law. You can contact them at splaws.com or 888-OVIOhio.com. Or you can call them up and start talking to them voice-to-voice at 614 614- Four 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 three zero three six with locations in Columbus, Delaware, Ohio, and Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you, gentlemen, for being part of this madness week after week. It's good to know that uh, as we continue our pursuits in life, should we <clears throat> stumble along the way, we got we got good people to come to. We got a guy. We got a guy. We got guys. We got guys. <laughs> we got guys. <laughs> Whiskey Business is a Never the Luck production uh, produced with the cooperation of the Columbus Radio Group. All the opinions, especially tonight, are of, are of me, your host, Dino Tripotis, and my oh-so-reluctant guest tonight, my own producer, Greg Hansberry, who I will say again with all sincerity, I treasure He's awesome. He's great. Good luck editing this. (laughs) And so, until the next bottle, see ya. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indie. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast.